0: Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in central Illinois, join us, Monday night's ISU's campus. We'd love to see you there. Awesome. Hey, can you just do me a favor? Can we just give a round of applause to our uh, worship team tonight? I know they don't do it for the applause, but I hope you realize what an incredibly talented group of musicians you've got. And I know they've been different each session, so a lot of different musicians, and it's so you're so blessed to have that because worship is such an important part of our lives, and A, we get to just worship God and just uh, focus in on Him and just tell Him how amazing He is, but B, it, it takes away all the distractions of the world. When we're singing those songs, everything that was on our minds when we came in, all the stress, the homework, the tests, whatever it might be. Be it just kind of fades away, and we just focus in on God, and that's the best place to be. He wants our full, undivided attention. He wants our captive thoughts, and worship helps do that. And I know we're going to worship some more later on, and uh, it's going to be great because you've got some great musicians there. So I'm really, oops, I'm really enjoying uh, getting to worship along with you. So. But I'm going to talk for a little bit here tonight. Maybe guide our thought process as we continue to worship later. Uh, we can be thinking through this, and and I actually think that probably uh, tonight, from my experience as the pastor of this church in Washington, uh, this for us was the the biggest thing that we needed to learn as a church when we started Connect Church back in 2013. This was the most important thing to me personally to see at the heart of who we were as a church. And I'm hoping that tonight, when I'm done spe- speaking, this will become the most important part part of your ministry here as well. So to set up what I want to talk about, um, I'm going to go back to my story this morning. So I told you this morning that I did that trek up to the base camp of of Mount Everest, and it was an amazing experience, Um, but I was a little overwhelmed because I didn't know what I was getting myself into, I didn't know how strenuous this was going to be, so I found out a year before I was going on this trek that I was going to be going on the trek. So I'm like, I need to get into shape. I need to start riding my bike. And I need to start getting out and about and hiking. I had this backpack that I used to fill with textbooks just to walk around to try and, you know, get the uh, idea of walking. But but another thing I decided to do, I thought, you know what, I need to do. I need to join a gym. And I knew if I joined just a regular gym, I would just kind of walk around all morning. Maybe I'd sit on an exercise bike and watch Netflix. And this wasn't really gonna be the kind of exercise I really needed. Okay. So just down from where our church is, there is a CrossFit gym. Yes. So I signed up for CrossFit. All right. <laughs> Terrifying. So I, uh, I joined this CrossFit gym. Uh, they are kicking my butt every time I go. It's hard work. And what makes it worse is our instructor, the person who leads us every time, um, she, they, the, the gym itself has an Instagram account. And as we're doing all this stuff, she's going around and she's like taking pictures. And then later that day, you get these notifications, and you're like, oh, no, and you zoom in, and you're like, yep, that was me this morning. And in my head, I really felt like I was nailing this. And then I look at it, I was like, oh, you look so stupid. Um, This was one of my favorite pictures. As you can see, I mean, clearly, clearly by the look of intensity on my face, I am lifting an incredibly heavy set of weights here. I mean, obviously, I am by the look on my face there. Sadly, when you zoom out, I'm actually just <laughs> jumping rope. <laughs> that is literally the face I was making, jumping rope. That's how hard it was for me to be a part of this gym. i have been very vulnerable with you here right now, guys. Look, this is me. This is me trying to get into shape. Let's get that off the screen very quickly. I'm, I'm embarrassed looking at it. But... When I finished the trek back in May, it was amazing because every time I did it, I was thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, because I've got to be in shape for this, this great um, challenge I'm going on. So when I came back, and, and it did, it paid off. It, it gave me the fitness and the uh, tenacity I needed to make it up the mountain, and um, I was so glad that I did it. But I remember one of the very first uh, sessions I came back to after the trek, and I got there, and we're jumping rope, and we're lifting things, and we're, you know I'm sweating, and I'm exhausted, and I'm thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. Like when the, when the process, when the purpose, I should say, of why I was doing it was gone, now it was like hard work to get out of bed and get to the gym. But I carried on going, I still go to this day for two big reasons. Number one, the first reason is I need the exercise. I eat burgers with eggs on, okay? So I need to be in a CrossFit gym for the sake of my health. So that's a big reason I go to try and stay healthy, to try and stay in shape. But you know what, there's a second reason I go. And that is that over the year of joining this gym, I didn't realize this was going to happen. But I started to build this community with these people who were in this class with me. I started to make friends with these people. I started to look forward to seeing them. And many of them don't know Jesus. Many of them aren't churchgoers. And as a pastor of a church, I don't get to hang around as much with people who don't know Jesus. Because all the people I work with... They know Jesus. That's kind of one of the things we require if you're going to be a pastor at our church. Um, you know, we, we, I tend to be around Christ followers an awful lot. So I like being in this gym because I'm around these people. I pray for them. I try and share Jesus with them. I've invited them to church. Some of them have come and visited the church. If, if nothing else, I hope they get to see Jesus through me, the light and the love of Jesus shining through me. Because that's really important to me. And that's one of our values at Connect, is that we want to connect our community to Christ. And that means we've actually got to get out around our community, to be with our community. So we decided as a church, when we launched back in 2013, we couldn't be a group of people who were going to just look inwards. That we would have to exist to meet the needs of those outside of the church. And that became our vision from day one. In fact, this morning in our session, we talked about how important it is to connect to one another, to have unity as a, as a group here, as an encounter, to be connected on mission together. But one of the dangers of that is we become so connected and so close to one another that we start to turn inwards and this becomes kind of an, an inward-looking group. We, we love the community. It's great, and we can't wait to be here because we're going to be with all of our friends. And and someone may arrive for the very first time, and they feel like, wow, I'm not sure if I belong here because everyone is friends with each other already. They all know each other. They've kind of got this inside feel. And we didn't want that as a church. We wanted to be a church that was known as a church that looked outwards. We had this picture we'd use sometimes, and it was this uh, illustration of this idea of a group of people standing in a circle holding hands. That was the the community that we wanted at connect but they were stood in a circle holding hands facing outwards facing outwards towards our community that God had called us to reach so we made this commitment in September of 2013 when we launched that we were going to be a church that helped meet the needs of our community so we wanted to find out what was going on We were talking to principals of of schools and food pantries and uh, resource centers to people from under-resourced areas. We wanted to be a church that met the needs of our community. We had these grand ideas of uh, giving out backpacks um, back to school time, of helping kids in school with maybe uh, gloves and hats and that kind of thing during the winter if they came from families who maybe they couldn't provide that kind of clothing. So we had all these ideas, and then just two months after we launched... On November the 17th, 2013, God put us to the test. He says, you want to be a church to help your community? Well, this opportunity showed up. It was a Sunday morning. We had church at the middle school. And um, I'm literally in the middle of my sermon. And I can see that people in the auditorium are kind of distracted. All their cell phones are buzzing. All their stuff's going on. And I'm like, what's going on here? And someone came up to the stage. They're like, Dave, we're all getting alerts. And I found that there's a tornado warning. So not just a watch, like one's been spotted. So we're like, okay, I'm going to stop the sermon right now. We need to all go to the locker rooms. And and we live in Washington, Illinois. This happens fairly regularly. We go to our basements, you know, and and normally it's just nothing to worry about. But this time we're in the locker rooms and we're getting texts now from people living nearby saying, yeah, it's touched down in in Pekin. It's touched down in East Peoria. This This is for real. And then we're going out and we're looking and we can see off in the distance this massive tornado, like for real tornado. Like at first, I couldn't, like I was stood there at the back of the school looking out, and I couldn't figure it out because it was so wide, it was so big, it just looked like this cloud that was moving. But then as you kind of step back and look, you could actually see, no, this is a huge cloud, and it was coming our way. So I go back into the locker rooms, and I try to tell a few people not to panic, but you know, let's let's kind of gather up now, let's start praying, let's stay safe here, and, and we heard it. It came super close to our school. It was like a, a, a train. It was like a massive noise. This massive noise, this shaking, this vibrating. People were scared. People were nervous. And by it went. And fortunately, it was a Sunday morning. So uh, many people weren't home. A lot of people were in churches. And no churches were hit by this tornado. And it went through town. But unfortunately, it did hit our town and did a tremendous amount of damage. I remember coming out of the school afterwards and looking at our parking lot and there were some shingles gone off some of the roofs nearby. Um, I think I saw a car window or two was broken. We were like, wow, that was like for real. That was like pretty bad. And then we kind of started to make our way across to the next neighborhoods, and we realized, man, what we had was nothing. And I got some pictures here. This is where I live, just outside of where I live. This is the park where my kids would play, and you can see upside-down cars there, houses de- demolished, and it was literally like a movie set, or like something you'd see on the CNN, you know, of a tornado. This was like our little town of Washington, Illinois. This is one of the houses that survived. Most were destroyed, but even the ones that weren't completely destroyed were in pieces. You can see there another one of a house completely destroyed. Um, again, just cars thrown. It's, it's crazy. I was looking through these pictures today to select a few to put up and, and still it blows my mind because I know what this park looks like now. And it just is crazy that just nine years ago that park looks completely different, was covered in debris, cars upside down. You have no idea the power and the damage of this tornado. This was literally a uh, a picture I took across town. I mean, that's like seven or eight neighborhoods just completely leveled because that was the path it went And I stood and kind of took a picture in the direction afterwards, the day after, of where the tornado went. This was the kind of power of that tornado. You imagine what one of those dumpsters is like. You guys have thrown garbage bags and dumpsters. I mean, look at how mangled it is. This was a car near where we lived. That was a stop sign (laughs) that went through the roof of the car (laughs) and out the back of it. It's just crazy. And then the house next door may be untouched. It was just bizarre, the power of this tornado. There's (laughs) that poor smart car. not so smart now. (laughs) I mean, look at it. It's right through the license plate. I mean, what kind of power sends a pole that fast through a vehicle like that? And it was crazy. This tornado destroyed over 600 homes and businesses, 2,000 vehicles. And as a church, we're two months old. So we don't know what to do. We don't have a building, we meet in a middle school, but we knew that we'd already told people, now we're gonna be a church that meets the needs of our community. I'm thinking backpacks. <laughs> And this is the needs now. People have lost entire homes. So um, fortunately, because I'd been um, working with churches in the past, a lot of people knew about me and the church I'd planted. So a lot of them contacted us and said, what can we do? And we said, well, there's a lot of needs here in the community, so money would be great. So people started sending money, and we, in the first two or three days, had about fifty or $60,000 donated to Connect. So we were able to go to families in the church and say, hey, we heard what happened, and I know insurance is going to cover it, but for now, what are the needs you have? Can we buy you some groceries? Can we buy you some clothes? Can we help cover a night in a hotel? And pretty soon, we started to hear, well, I don't go to Connect, but I need this. Or a person in Connect would say, hey, my neighbor is going through this. Can we help them? We were buying washing machines. We were putting tires on cars. There was an entire apartment complex that was destroyed, and there was a lot of under-resourced families lived there because it was kind of lower income. Many of them, because they were living paycheck to paycheck, didn't have any kind of renter's insurance. So everything they lost they lost we were able to get cars donated that we gave to families we worked with a church up in the suburbs of Chicago that has a cars ministry they gave us two cars and we and it was like one of the most exciting times in my life like literally I was like Oprah I'm like hey you got a car it was like so cool you know (laughs) blessing a family they're crying they just can't believe it you know but it was literally being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community It was such an exciting time. and One of my favorite things was um, about a month afterwards, things got a little more organized, and some of the churches gathered together, and we would have these um, packets given to us each time we met, met once a week, and it would show a list of all the needs. And as churches, we would say, okay, we can meet that need, and another church would say, we can meet that need. So I would get the name and address of a family who had just submitted this need. And I'd get to text them or call them and say, Hey, I'm Dave Jane. I'm from Connect Church. I'd love to drop this check off personally. Would that be okay? And they were always, yes, absolutely. And every time I met with them, I always said two things. I said, listen, as a church, we are so happy that we can bless you at this difficult time. Show you the, the love of Jesus at this difficult time. And this check comes with no strings attached whatsoever. This is our gift to you. But if you are ever looking for a church home, we'd love to have you. you know, You'd be very welcome to come and visit Connect. And then there's a second thing, and again, you can say no if you want, but um, I'd love to say a prayer for you. If you're open to it, I'd love to say a prayer for you. If you don't feel comfortable, that's absolutely fine. Every single person, most of them completely unchurched, said, yeah, would you please pray for us? I got to pray with so many families just saying, God, bless this family through this difficult time. And then they started to show up. Some of these families started to show up at church. Do you know, I had one lady who said to me, I'm going to be there on Sunday. And Sunday came and went, and she never came, and I thought, oh, that's a shame. The following Sunday, she was there. And I said, hey, it's so great to see you here. Thanks for coming. She goes, actually, she said, I came last week. She said, but I sat in the parking lot, and I watched everyone keep coming in. She goes, and I just couldn't bring up the courage to go in. Because she'd never been to church in her life. And this was so scary. She had no idea what to expect. And I realized in that moment as the pastor of this brand new church, these are the people I want to reach. These are the people I want to introduce Jesus to. Because they don't yet know him. The people who who actually sit outside of church with a little bit of anxiety because they have no idea what to expect. So we tried to create this culture at Connect where unchurched people would feel welcome. where Where we expected that they were coming. As they came in where they felt like they belonged. And I want to encourage you, we talked about it this morning, how incredible it is to connect to one another. But not at the detriment, not at the expense of connecting with our friends on campus who don't yet know Jesus. Because I think God's got a plan to use some of you to reach some of your friends. In fact, I've, I've had some wonderful conversations with a lot of you since I've been here. And some of the, my favorite conversations have been with, with people. I spoke to two people now, two guys, who have told me the story of, no, I didn't grow up in church. But I made a decision to follow Jesus while at school because of encounter. Someone invited me to encounter, and that's where I discovered Jesus for the very first time. I didn't grow up in a church family. This was the first one. And these guys now, they're working with the church. They're working with Encounter. It's amazing to think that God used this ministry to reach these people. And I want to challenge you tonight to continue that legacy, to continue to be the group that looks outside of the church. And we're going to look at a story in the Bible here that I hope will inspire us um, to how we can all do this together. It's in Acts chapter 8. It's one of my favorite stories. And Acts is a great book in the Bible because Jesus has has come and gone. He's risen again. And now it's up to the disciples and the beginning of the church. And it's like the most exciting book because you get to see the the growing of the church, the the, the explosion of this brand new church. And everything that Jesus did is coming to pass as this church begins to grow. People are becoming Christians. And there's a, a disciple by the name of Philip. And Philip it's talked about in Acts chapter 8. If you want to read along, it's in Acts chapter 8. And in verse 26, it says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, some of us have already written us out of this story because we're like, Well, I don't remember the angel of the Lord ever telling me where to go. Okay, So, so, so don't think that just because you haven't heard the angel of the Lord tell you where to go. Basically, Philip is going where God has told him to do. He's, he's on, a, on a journey south of this road. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. This eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading?" And he replied, "'How can I, unless someone instructs me?' And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he'd been reading was this. "'He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, "'Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else?' So beginning with this scripture, Philip was able to tell him the good news about Jesus. So you've got this guy from Ethiopia. He's open to the things of God. In fact, he's actually just gone to Jerusalem to worship. But he hasn't yet heard about Jesus. He hasn't yet discovered Jesus. He hasn't heard the story of who Jesus was and why he came and the transformation that he can make in this guy's life. And God knows this. And God wants this guy to know Jesus because he wants all of our friends to know Jesus. So Philip is sent on this journey, and he happens to come across this guy. And Philip is able to tell this guy all about Jesus. And as I read this story, I love it because it's such a great story. It's a great story about somebody discovering Jesus. But there's a couple of things in this story that I'm like, man, I could do that. That really is kind of simple. I could do something like that. So we're going to look at it now together, because right after this, Philip baptizes the Ethiopian, and then uh, he continues on to the place God had called him to do. But this is a transformational story in the life of this Ethiopian. But let's, let's look at it in the context of, of our college campus, our ministry here at Encounter. Philip was simply following the course that God had him on. He was headed south down a desert road, and yet at the same time, God was at work in the life of this Ethiopian unit. Can you imagine that? I mean, just picture that, looking down from heaven, okay? So Philip has no idea who he's going to meet. This Ethiopian has no idea who he's going to meet. But God says to Philip, hey, I want you to go this way. And at the same time, this Ethiopian just happens to be reading this book, and God's like, hey, guys, check this out. Watch, you ready? You ready? Ready? Now. (laughs) He's like setting it all up for this incredible encounter to take place every one of you is on a road today. It's a road that will hopefully one day lead you to a college degree. I know that's your uh, goal here, that hopefully at the end of this road there will be some kind of diploma that will take you to the next stage of your life. But there are people that God is already preparing who you're going to meet on the road that you're on. And meanwhile, he's at work in their lives. Some of them, like the two young men who I've already talked to this weekend, they had no idea they were coming to college to have an encounter with Jesus. But God was already preparing their hearts. He was already at work in their lives. And as you are moving down this road that God has you on, you're going to come in contact with someone who God's pursuing. And you know what you have to do in that moment? Here's the best part. You don't need to preach a sermon. You don't need to know all 66 books of the Bible in order in case this person says, hey, could you list all the books of the Bible? I'm really interested. And you're like, I do not memorize them. I did when I was a kid, but I've forgotten them now. You don't have to know all the scriptures off by heart. We just need to do what the Holy Spirit asked Philip to do. Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Go over and walk along beside the carriage. You're like, seriously, God? That's all I've got to do? That's all Philip did? All God had him do was just go over and walk along beside the carriage. At Connect, we realized this was the greatest thing we could do as a church. Just find ways to do life with people in our community who don't yet know Jesus. Encourage the folks who are going to call Connect their church home. Hey, don't just come here for what you can get. Look for opportunities just to walk alongside. Maybe it's a CrossFit gym, but walk alongside someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. That's all you have to do. I think sometimes followers of Jesus have a hard time with this because it can be kind of scary to be around people who don't know him. We may shy away. Sometimes we think it's safer to just stay around people who think like us and believe the same things we believe. But if these people who don't know Jesus, the only chance they're ever going to have of discovering him is if someone walks alongside the carriage that they are in. So it connects we were so determined to do this right that we, we very sh- publicly shared the philosophy we had as a church. And our philosophy at connects us: we want to be a church where people can belong, believe, behave. Belong, believe, behave. I'll explain what I mean by that. So it was this, this simple idea we had that as a church, as a brand new church, we want to be a place where people who come on a Sunday morning for the very first time, they feel like they belong. We've created the greatest environment for them. So when they come, they feel welcomed. They feel accepted. There's no judgment. Wherever you're coming from in life, you just come along. On Sunday mornings when I teach, very regularly I'll say things like, you know, it's great having you here this morning. Maybe you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. That's great. We're happy that you're here. You might still just be kicking the tires, and, and that's cool, but we love having you here. And I try and speak in a way that even if people haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, they still understand what it is we're talking about, because we've created this environment where people can feel like they belong. Because what we found a Connect is when they come, and they come, and they come, and they keep coming, there comes a point for many of them where they actually cross that line of faith, and they make a decision to believe. They make a decision to follow Jesus. And then, because of the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit, their lives start to change. Their behavior starts to change. There are things that they used to do that they don't do so much now. There are attitudes that start to change. There's there's a transformation that happens from the inside out. And the reason we love it is because we've come to realize that some churches make the mistake of reversing it. Some churches have this, this idea where it's behave Believe, belong. So, we're going to work on your behavior first. You're going to have to clean up your act a bit. You're going to have to stop saying those words. You're going to have to stop dressing like that. You're gonna have to, you know, some churches can be a little bit, um, you know, like we're going to work on the behavior first. And once we've cleaned all that up, if you believe, then you can belong. And we want to be the complete opposite of that. We want to create. Now, it got messy because it meant there were people who came to connect who, you know, were still a bit rough, still hadn't figured things out. But they felt like they were welcomed. They felt like they belonged. Last night, I talked to one of these guys. I'm going to mention him by name, Zach. He's a great guy. I was watching Zach. I didn't know Zach yet, but it was during the games last night. And, like, he is just jumping. He's like the hype man extraordinaire. I'm thinking, man, i think thinking I'm going to cue Zach up for my message. If I feel like it's going down a bit, I'm just going to have Zach just jump up a bit and go, yeah! Just <laughs> kind of build it up. There he is. I see him now grinning away. Yeah! <laughs> Zach tells me his story last night that when he arrived on campus, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He introduced me to the young man last night who invited him to encounter, who baptized him. He's now here leading you guys. He's got a fantastic story. And do you know what? Without any prompting, Zach said to me last night, he says, The great thing was, Dave, when I came to encounter, they just had, it was this wonderful place where I could belong and believe. I was like, dude, that's my message tomorrow night. He, and he said it. So I love that that's part of who you are, that you're creating this place, that your friends come. Maybe you're here this weekend because someone invited you. You're still, you feel like you belong, but you're not even sure where you're at on the believe thing. That's absolutely awesome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you've seen something in the lives of the people around you that you're like, I'm not sure what I believe about God, but I cannot deny that there is something going on in these people's lives. They are really excited about this. They are really, uh, this is something that's very real to them. I hope you leave this weekend transformed. I hope you come to believe in Jesus the way we believe in Jesus. And I love that Zach said, you know, this is the environment we're creating. So so it was brilliant because in those first few years at Connect, we had so many new people who came and so many who didn't grow up going to church. And I love it. I loved it because it just made things exciting when you were teaching and preaching and talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible. I can remember... One Sunday, early on in Connect, it was a, a group just like this. I was stood speaking, and we were going through Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, I've been a Christian a long time, so I'm very familiar with the story of Joseph. But I realized as I was teaching, and we kind of each week we had a little chapter. There was the week where he got you know his, his beautiful coat from his dad, and then there was a week where he got sold into slavery, and you know each week there was kind of another chapter of Joseph's life. And I could tell as I'm teaching on Joseph that some of these people, are like uh, listening, going, "Wow, this is an exciting story." I can't wait for next week. What's going to happen next week? Because they'd never heard the story of Joseph. In fact, one Sunday, it was the part in Joseph's life, if you know the story of Joseph, where um, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. He's he's the head of Potiphar's household. He's like the the top slave in Potiphar's household. He respects his master. And his master is out one day, and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. Because he's a good man with integrity, and he respects his boss, he's like, no, I'm not having it. He runs out of the room, and in the course of running out, she grabs his cloak, but rather than get it back, he just scarpers out of the room. <laughs> that was the English word, scarpers. He, he runs out of the room, leaves his cloak behind. She's so mad that when Potiphar gets home, she says to her husband, he tried to seduce me. I'm not joking. When I said that line, there was a lady sat right about here on the third row. I said, he tried to seduce me. She goes, oh. <laughs> She's like, I did not see that coming. I mean, that was like the the response. (laughs) She was so caught up in this story of Joseph, and it caught me off guard because everyone heard it. It was like, whoa. But this was the very first time she'd heard the story of Joseph. And it reminded me, man, I forget sometimes that I'm very familiar with the story of Joseph. I'm very familiar with the story of Jesus. But there are some people here in my church this morning, this is the first time they've heard about this, and I love that. Because I want them to learn about Jesus. So I knew that our, our culture was working. We were creating this space where people could belong, believe, and behave. And it was because we were willing to go into the community and walk alongside the carriage. So once we've chosen to position ourselves next to the carriage, the next step, again, is so easy. God told Philip just to listen. Just Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. As I said earlier, once we realize that God's at work in the lives of other people around us who don't know him, all we have to do is listen. We don't have to force anything, because as you listen to your friends who don't, know yet, who don't yet know Jesus, you're going to start to hear the God story that's going on in their lives. They don't know it's God, but you're going to see elements of him at work in their lives, and you're going to be very aware of what's going on. Philip heard the guy reading Isaiah, and he says, Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch basically said, no, I need help understanding here." And so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Philip didn't answer any questions this guy wasn't asking. Sometimes we can be so keen to talk to people that we forget to actually just listen. And I think you'll find, especially amongst your friends who don't yet know Jesus, just listening to what's going on in their lives, you're suddenly going to be aware of something like, wow, that's, that's God. God's doing something in this person's life. You might say, do you understand why you feel like that? You know, maybe your friend says, I'm like, man, it's just so hard because sometimes I just feel so alone. I feel so empty. I feel like there's got to be more to learn. And You're like,
1: oh,
0: I know what that is because <laughs> I've met Jesus and, I, and I've found that answer. And you can say, do you understand what that is? You get to share with them. If you'll just listen for what God is already doing, start where he, this is what Philip did. He started where he was at and told him the good news about Jesus. And there's an author by the name of Philip Yancey, and uh, he's written some wonderful books, and he, he talks to us in one of his books, he recalls a visit he had to a, uh, South Africa, and an interview he had there with a lady by the name of Alison Quinn of Prison Fellowship. He says this, in South Africa, I met a woman named Joanna, an ordinary suburban woman. She and her husband had some education here in the U.S., and then they went back to South Africa. They were involved in the anti apartheid movement, which was very successful. So she started praying. And the Lord's Prayer includes the phrase, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So she would pray, Lord, show me a place where that's not true, where your will is not being done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we're supposed to be, as followers of you, part of the solution. Soon, she found out that the most violent prison in South Africa, a prison by the name of Polesmore Prison, was just minutes from her home. That year, the prison recorded 279 acts of violence, almost one a day. It was run by gangs. You'd actually get points by stabbing somebody in another gang. If you stabbed a warden, you'd get extra points. It was extremely overcrowded, as were many prisons. So she thought, well, that's not right. So she started going every day to visit this prison, 365 days. She didn't skip Christmas, she didn't skip Easter, because she knew that these prisoners needed stability, something that they could count on. The year after she started going, there weren't 279 acts of violence in the prison, there were two. So from 279 one year, a year later of her going every day to visit these prisoners, two. The transformation was so amazing that the BBC, British TV, sent a camera crew from London to figure out what had happened in this prison. Yancy says, When I finally met with Joanna and her husband, I said, I think what you've done here is amazing, but tell me, what happened here? These guys are murderers, they're rapists, they're monsters, and you just go in and act like it's a youth group, and you change the whole prison. He says, What really happened? And I love this. It says, she looked at me kind of shocked that I would ask such a question. And she said this line that I've repeated many places in the world because it so struck me. She said, well, of course, Philip. God was already present in Polesmoor Prison. We just had to make him visible. She said, God was already there. God was already present in this prison. We just had to make him visible. That's all we did. We went in and we listened, and we sat alongside these people, and we helped show people a God who was already in the midst of them. I believe that God is already on the campus of ISU and Heartland and Wesleyan. And I think this year, our charge is to just simply make him visible. As we leave this weekend, our mission is that that God help us make you visible. You're already there. You're at work in the lives of our friends, but we get to walk alongside them. We get to listen to what's going on, and we get to play a part in helping make him visible. I think my favorite, some of my favorite parables that Jesus tells can be found in Luke. There are three in a row. One's about a lost coin, one's about a lost sheep, and then one's about a lost son. Sometimes we call that the prodigal son. But all three of those stories Jesus tells because he wants to show something very, um, very important about the character of Father God. And that is that he cares about what's lost. The coin, the sheep, the son, they represent things that were lost, that weren't where they should be, that should be back home. And Jesus wanted his, un- his listeners to understand that Father God cares about those that are lost. that He wants them back home. And that we get to play a part in bringing them home. I love this clip from this movie I'm going to show you right now because it gives us this idea of what it feels like, what it's like to find your way home. Check this out.
1: What do you think about that? Black ocean. So uh, I flip on my map light and then suddenly
0: I love that line, you never know what events are going to transpire to get you home. Jesus is pursuing right now, we're here, but right now, back on the college campus, this thing's going on in the lives of our friends. As Jesus pursues them, God wants to bring them home, and we're going to get to play a part in that so as we close out this evening before we go back into worship we're going to pray a little bit like we did last night and i'm going to pray a bit and then we're going to pause in silence and i'm going to give you a chance to just kind of pray in your seats where you're at and and here's what i want you to pray and it's, it's going to be a, a great prayer to pray because we haven't got to pray in faith and have our fingers crossed because we got guys like zach sitting here who are the answers to the prayer we're going to pray we're going to pray god help us help us be the people who are gonna help bring our friends home to you. Help us be the people who are gonna draw alongside somebody as they are in that carriage, asking questions, trying to figure things out, and we're in the right place at the right time. We, we simply were on the road. We didn't know, God, that you called us on this road. to We just thought we were here to get this degree. But unbeknownst to us, God, your plan all along was to bring us alongside because there's something in my life that's going to connect with something in my friend's life. And we're going to have this conversation, and it's going to change their lives forever. So here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to start out, and I'm going to pray a little bit. And then I'm going to pause and in the quiet. I want you to pray. And you're going to pray a couple of things. First, you're going to pray, God, open up my heart. Let, let me be aware of those who are around me. Help me not to, to get so caught up in my, my friends here at Encounter that I lose sight of the friends around me who don't yet know you. God, I want to reach them. So help my heart to always be broken, to always be a seeking to make a difference in the lives of those around me who don't know them. And then second, as you start to pray that prayer, I honestly believe that God's going to drop some names into your, your heart tonight. You're going to start, even now, some of you are starting to think about some of the people who you're like, I think God may have put that person in my life for a reason. And I want you just where you're sitting, just to pray for that person. God, you know where they're at right now. You know what they're doing back on the campus right now. God, I pray for them. Because, God, I know you love them so much. You want them to come home and have a relationship with you. And, God, I will, if you would allow me to be a part of that, I'd love to be part of that journey with them. And collectively, as you're saying those names, God's going to hear all of these names. We're, we're all going to be praying for one another's names. Tonight in this room, these names are going to go up and God's going to hear hundreds of us praying for these people and unbeknownst to them, they're being prayed for right now. Because I want some of them to be here next year. I want some of them to be here next year. And you'll tell them the story. You'll be like, you've got no idea. But last year, at the end of the night, I prayed and your name was one of the names that I thought of to pray. And you're here right now. Maybe there'll be a leader in the future, an intern. And this story will be Incredible. So let's pray right now. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, thank you that through whatever our story is, you've brought us home. Like Philip in the story, we've had this encounter with you and it's transformed our lives. And Lord, we don't hear that Philip was sent to build a church or to preach a massive sermon. All he was called to do was go down a road. And Lord, we're all on roads here tonight. Each one of our roads is leading to a different college degree, a different career in the future, but every one of us is on a road right now. And unbeknownst to us, Lord, there's someone else coming along that road, someone who we're going to interact with. And all we have to do is just get alongside and listen. Because, God, you're already at work in that person's heart. So as we pause right now, Lord, just in the quiet here, Lord, I just pray that all around this room, Guys and girls will just start to say, God, break my heart. Give me a heart to be aware of those around me who don't know you. And then second, Lord, I pray that all of us, myself included, will start to think of names of people we know who don't yet know you, but we would love to spend eternity with them in heaven. So, Lord, we just pause in your presence right now. god i believe that we don't see it but in the heavenly realms right now names were were being brought before you lord and i just pray lord it would be it would just be one corporate prayer that came up from us all we were all here praying together whatever name we we thought of lord whatever person we prayed for let us realize that hundreds joined us in praying for that person tonight Lord, there are people here tonight who wouldn't be here were it not for the fact that someone invited them to encounter. Someone told them their story. Someone came alongside their carriage and listened to what was going on in their lives. We want the same to happen in the future to others. So, Lord, allow us to play a part in that. Help us to be the kind of students, Lord, who look around and and create an environment here at Encounter where people can come and they feel like they belong, where they'll believe where where behavior may change in the future, but for now, just that they feel like they belong and they're loved and they're welcomed. Lord, we love you so much. And we continue to pray for these people. And we pray, Lord, as this evening continues on, Lord, that you'll continue to work in our hearts and lives and transform us more to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Find out more about Encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.